Welcome to the Point of Convergence podcast. I am your host, Grant Lira. Get ready to sit down, tune in, and implement. Remember, the knowledge you learn here and anywhere else in your life is only worth something to you if you use it. So get implementing after this episode and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of Point of Convergence. Today, we are joined by Dr. Joe Michaels of Solomon Bruce Consulting. Joe, how are you doing today, brother? Grant, good to see you. Glad to be here. Another great day in uh, beautiful uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Absolutely. And we were just talking a little bit. I just got back from Texas and, uh, you know, being a Wisconsin boy, that's some nice weather. That's some really nice weather. I think it's uh, 80 or 81 here right now. It's a little bit overcast. The sun is out. Uh, I've been working all day, but uh, hopefully go get a, get to hit a golf ball maybe tomorrow afternoon for nine holes. There we go. Plan. There we go. And the cool thing about Texas, at least the part I was at, was it's not a it's not a wet heat like Florida where you walk outside and it's really nice, but then your shirt's like soaked in two minutes. It was one day I was there it was like 97 and it felt awesome. Like I wasn't really sweating that much even. It was kind of weird. Where were you? Down in West Texas in Lubbock, Texas. Oh, great. Lubbock is a great place. Texas Tech is there. Uh, The law school's there. The med school's there. Uh, Lubbock is a great place. There's some great wineries uh, in Lubbock as well, right south of uh, Lubbock. Uh, Ilano Estado is there. Uh, there are several other wineries that are uh, near Lubbock. Uh, you probably saw cotton. Uh, you probably didn't recognize what it was, uh, but they grow cotton there. They grow wheat there. Uh, and if you get a little bit south and west, uh, you'll see grapes. That's outstanding. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would definitely check those out next time I go back because I had a great time. I had a great time, but enough about my trip. Um, Dr. Joe, let's start talking a little bit about you. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about the uh, consulting business. I'm dying to hear about it. Well, thanks, Grant. Uh, I uh, served our country for 30 years in the United States Air Force. I'm a retired Air Force colonel. And when I retired, I uh, my terminal assignment in the Air Force was the dean of the School of Systems and Logistics at the Air Force Institute of Technology in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, that was a premier assignment. I left there and became the Dean of the College of Business at Montana State University in Billings, Montana. And I was there three, a little over three years and unfortunately had some health issues and had to step down. Uh, so I stepped down and it took a couple of years to get well. Uh, I got beat up pretty bad. Uh, and after that, I joined Solomon Bruce Consulting and uh, am now our managing partner here in Fort Worth. We have an office in Salt Lake City. We have an office in uh, Atlanta as well. Uh, both of the regional representatives in those two offices are like I, uh, veterans. Uh, our office in Atlanta is ran by a retired general officer. Our office in uh, Salt Lake City is ran by a former director at Johnson and Johnson. Uh, He was in the pharmaceutical business. Uh, So uh, he retired, his uh, mother got ill and he and his wife went back to Utah and uh, he said, I need a project. And we were looking to open an office in Salt Lake City. So uh, we did. 
we focus on several areas, but the primary areas are supply chain management, business operations, executive development, and I myself do legal expert witness work. Uh, I find that uh, very, very challenging, very stimulating, very interesting. Uh, my training, my academic preparation is in engineering and policy science, uh, bachelor's, master's, PhD, postdoc. Uh, I currently chair the Professional Engineering Development Committee with the National Council of Engineering uh, Examiners. Uh, I have served on that committee, uh, oh, I guess almost 10 years, 12 years maybe. I was the vice chair for uh, six years. And then uh, through happenstance, uh, got to become the chair. That was not the plan, but that's how it turned out. So uh, we do that as well. Right on, right on. And something interesting that I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be curious about is going from you know the Air Force, because you spent a good amount of time in the Air Force into the business world. How was that transition for you? Did you notice a lot of the skills transferred over, a lot of the management skills, or what was that like moving out of the military into the workforce? The leadership skills transferred one-to-one. Uh, there was no issue there. Uh, a lot of people think that senior military officers have difficulty, you know, somebody barks and you're supposed to jump. Uh, it doesn't work that way in the military, and it certainly doesn't work that way in the private sector. Uh, I think the biggest thing uh, that I found uh, was the fact of the lack of a cohesive team. Uh, there in the military, as you may be aware, uh, teamwork is key to any operation or any type of assignment or any type of task. And uh, that is not always the case in the private sector. Uh, it was not the case at the university. Uh, I found that rather startling, if you will. Now, uh, there are, I have been at several universities and some work that way and some don't. Uh, so lack of teamwork, I think was probably uh, the biggest thing that I saw. The second thing, that uh, was somewhat significant. Uh, I was a senior officer for 15 of 30 years. So I, you know, I spent 10 years in the Pentagon. Uh, I am used to starting early and staying late. And depending upon where you are and depending on what you're doing, uh, that's not always the norm either. Uh, what I have learned is uh, I'm not sure you have to do all of that. Uh, if I were to go back in the Air Force again, I would probably do it a little bit differently. Uh, but we got started with, you know, stay start early, stay late, you know, defense of the country is up to you, that type of thing. And uh, I believe all that, but at the same time, I'm not sure that we have to kill ourselves quite the way we did. So that's, that's really interesting. Now, Looking at that, too, because you said something about cohesion and having a unit or a team that works together, which is, yes, in the military, super important. Now, when you transferred more into the civilian world, you noticed there was a lack of that. And for those of you guys who don't know, a uh, full colonel is very high up in the uh, military ranking. It's, it's very high. So you have a lot of people underneath you there. Um, now, with that said, when you transferred into the civilian workforce, 
how did you try or did you, you know, successfully try to create some of that cohesion, some of that um, togetherness that was so prevalent in the military? You certainly try. Uh, it is somewhat difficult when you have a lot of independent team players that are used to doing things their own way. Uh, academia is kind of a unique animal in of itself in the fact that you have a lot of what we can call, I guess, independent contractors. Um, and if the faculty is not all pushing in the same direction, it becomes very, very difficult. Uh, I was uh, a dean at a time in a private or in a public institution where uh, money was tight. Uh, it was tough. We worked awfully hard. We all worked together. But uh, we didn't see the results that I would have anticipated and or expected. Uh, in the consulting business, of course, it's much different. Uh, we are here to provide services and support to a client. Uh, they come with a problem. We work very carefully to identify that problem. And a lot of times, the problem they think they have and the problem they really have are diametrically opposite. So uh, we're fortunate to have the background to be able to look at a problem and identify what it might be and then make suggestions on how we can improve it. And normally we do a pretty good job. <laughs> That's awesome. So looking at that now within the, the, the student in the academic space, right? Because you've seen both sides. Now you, you have kind of a neat, unique perspective because you've seen the military side, you've seen the uh, corporate side, and you've also seen, you know, the academic side. Now within all of those, did you kind of notice that there were crossovers in how you were actually operating? Because in each one, in a sense, you were almost, you know, your own boss, right? Military, you obviously had more bosses, but you uh, you were in charge of a lot of different moving pieces. Academia, you know, you were a professor, so it makes sense there. You're in charge of more people too. And now within the firm, even it's kind of the same deal. So working towards all that, I mean, there had to be some crossover. There had to be some stuff that was obviously very, um, I guess, cohesive to each different role. Grant that there is, and, and the key, of course, is teamwork. Uh, interestingly, today, uh, what I see in academia is a lot of kids uh, have not had a lot of uh, good mentoring and uh, maybe a good home life. Uh, a lot of folks uh, today uh, come from a uh, bifurcated family, bifurcated, divided. Mom and dad got divorced. Maybe they've each have remarried. Uh, it's very few kids that have the same mommy and daddy that they started with. Uh, most have step parents. Uh, some kids are very enthusiastic and some kids aren't. Some kids have had helicopter parents uh, that hover over them all the, all the time. Some of them don't. Uh, I hold an adjunct appointment at the University of North Texas. I hold an adjunct appointment at the University of Texas at Arlington, and I've done some work at Texas A&M where I earned my PhD. Uh, I have done some work at Clemson as well. I think uh, I can say unequivocally that each place is a little bit different. Uh, the big R1 schools, uh, A&M, Clemson, uh, those kids are there in a residence environment. So they're a little bit different than the commuter schools. 
uh, UNT uh, has a lot of folks uh, living on campus, but there are a fair number of commuter uh, students. Uh, UTA is primarily a commuter school. So uh, a lot of kids work. Uh, so they're going to school part-time and working part-time at A&M and at Clemson. They're primarily going to school full-time. Yeah, and that's cool too, because on the topic of academia, you know, in the in the entrepreneurial world, a lot of people say you don't need school, right? School's a waste of time. And I want to get your your take on that because coming from, you know, a successful person who's obviously done a good amount of schooling, uh, I want to hear your take. And I'll preface everything by saying this. I personally believe that in some instances, I agree with that statement that you don't need, you know, school to become successful. But there are a lot of fields that if you're going into, you do need that schooling, you do need that degree. I want to hear your take on that coming from, you know, a place of success with all your uh, accomplishments you've had over your professional life. It depends, I think, on what you want to do. I, uh, this morning, was in conference with a orthodontist. He had three children. Uh, One uh, spent a year at the University of Wyoming in engineering and dropped out. Uh, he's 31 or two years old, likes to cook, uh, kind of trying to find himself. And mom and dad are trying to help him find himself. Uh, son number two went to TCU, Texas Christian University here in Fort Worth. Uh, he's got a job in the advertising business, very successful. Number three, a uh, daughter out in California, married a football player from Southern Cal where I did my master's degree. Uh, doing very well. So my question was, nobody became a truck driver. The doctor said, well, none of our three did, but I have a nephew who at 23 has four trucks and is very successful. And I I think it depends today on what you want to do. I think in the last 30 years, Everybody has been brainwashed into getting a four-year degree, going to school, and at the end of that four years, utopia is there. Well, what we're seeing right now, and it is right now today, we're seeing that that is not the case. We need plumbers. We need carpenters. We need electricians. We need truck drivers. A good truck driver can earn $200,000 to $240,000 a year. That's not chump change. You know, I know lawyers that are making $50,000 a year, and thank God they're doing that. And they've got $150,000 in law school debt they're trying to pay off. The truck driver lives in a fancy house, got a nice car, got nice things. What's he do? He drives a truck. Well, there's nothing wrong with driving a truck. There's nothing wrong with being an electrician. My daddy was an electrician. I grew up in a union family. My, my daddy was an electrician. He didn't get to go to college. He was a World War II vet. He didn't get to go to college. And he said, all us kids were going to go to college, and we all did. Some of us graduated, some of us didn't, but everybody went at least for some period of time. So I think it is important today uh, to think about, you know, what you want to do. There are lots of kids that have got degrees that uh, are very unhappy got a degree in communications, got a degree in psychology, got a degree in human resources, in gender studies. And, you know, they're doing something, 
but if I think if they had a choice again, they would have gone to tech school, uh, become a programmer, uh, being a surveying technician. Money's good. Money's great. You just got to get in and go. And there's nothing wrong with working with your hands. There's nothing wrong with being a chef. The doctor was real proud. He showed, uh, he had some pictures on his cell phone of his son when he cooked dinner. And it looked good. He said he wants to go to Montana. I said, great. I gave him a couple of folks to call. He said, Dr. Michaels, it's up to the kid. I said, you bet. It's up to the kid. If he's 31, you know, if I talk to him, I'll have him motivated. His little butt will get in gear and he will make a phone call. If indeed he wants to go live in the mountains for a year or summer and cook at some dude ranch or some fancy resort, because right now, uh, they can't find enough service people in to go around. And we're seeing that in the automotive industry. An automotive technician today is not a grease monkey. That guy is a computer engineer because every car that you have has got a plethora of chips in it. And you saw today the president of GM said that's one of the biggest problems they're having right now are not being able to get enough chips to build cars. And that's why they're you know, shutting down plants for several weeks at a time and it build up the inventory. But that individual who's the technician, he has to figure out what the problem is and get it fixed. I drive a Cadillac. I've driven a Cadillac for probably since uh, now 82 when I first came to A&M. Uh, Cadillac at that time was National Car Texas. So we were in East Texas a couple of weeks ago. I had to give a talk at uh, Panola College, and uh, which is in Carthage, Texas, which is almost to Louisiana. And as we were driving, I noticed that the temperature gauge went to zero. The car didn't overheat, but the gauge went to zero. So I knew there was a problem. So I went and gave my talk. I went to Rotary. Uh, I went to the dealership and the guy said, you've got a problem. I don't have the part. It'll take four or five days to get here. Can you get home? I said, well, you tell me. Well, you got to go back to Dallas-Fort Worth. I said, I do. Yeah, you'll be all right. I turned the car in on Monday. Thursday afternoon, they called and said it was here. It took three hours, and it was some sensor in the uh, thermostat area. And they had a thermostat and a sensor and a piece of conduit about 18 inches between the two. They had an order from someplace. And it took a mechanic three hours to find that and replace it at $160 an hour. Yeah. And that's, now, I mean, it's gone. Did he make $160 an hour? No, but I bet he made $60 an hour. Exactly. And there's so many of those, those fields too. And, you know, even within, even within like working with your hands, I agree a hundred percent, but even with, you know, entrepreneurship in general, if you want to start some marketing agency, if you want to start a uh, landscaping service, like that stuff, stuff that you can do right out of the gate, you know, you don't need any diploma. You don't need any schooling to do that stuff and you can do it successfully. Now becoming a lawyer, becoming something else like that, maybe, you know, a consultant. Uh, yeah. You should probably have a little bit of school and in some cases you legally need school, but something that's interesting is I want to talk about what you said earlier in 
this world, we're looking at the consulting world now. It's a lot of people offering consulting, right? There's a lot of people doing it. It's a very competitive space, excuse me, competitive space. How are you guys differentiating yourself? How is Solomon Bruce setting themselves up to be different and better than everybody else in the industry? Grant, that's a great question. That is absolutely a great question. And the fact is that we are very, very good. We have a long history of experience uh, in a wide variety of domains. We have actually walked the walk and fought the fight. We know what we're doing. We are not the cheapest place in town. I will tell you that right up front. And if you call and ask about an engagement, uh, we'll have that conversation. And I'll be very clear on the fact that we are not the cheapest in town. And if you're shopping for price, you probably need to find somebody else. Uh, if you're not shopping for price, we can do it. it. We had a, a client, oh, several years ago that called. It was Friday afternoon. It was late. And he needed a help. He needed help on a legal case. He explained what he needed. I said, not a problem. We can do that. How much was the fee? Told him what the fee was. Monday morning, the, the FedEx guy comes with a check. Tuesday morning, the FedEx guy comes with a great big box full of documents. In the course of a month, I think we had probably four interactions on the phone. And every time we talked, he bitched and belly ached about the fee. You guys charge so much. I said, the fee is the fee. And every time he belly ached, I just said that answer. So at the end of the four weeks, we got through the matter. We analyzed the case. We identified the problems, wrote the report, went through our proofreading uh, process here, our writing process, and we have a very robust process. Uh, my staff did all the analysis after I wrote. We printed it out on uh, good paper. We used Strathmore, which is the printer tells me the best. And I overnighted the uh, package to him. A couple of days later, the old boy calls and says, uh, we got your report. I said, great. What do you think? Well, my partner was very, very impressed. I said, oh, how so? Well, you use very good paper. I said, yeah, it's Strathmore. My printer tells me it's the best. His second point was, you guys found two points we never even thought about. That is the key to winning our case. Grant, there was never another point about the fee. Never another point and belly aching about the cost. He wrote the check. He won the case. And that normally is the way things work here at Solomon Bruce Consulting. We have very highly experienced consultants and staff members that do the very best job they possibly can. Now, interestingly, I was at Rotary on Friday. I uh, have been a Rotarian for 20 years, uh, have had perfect attendance for all those 20 years. And I was with a guy that uh, offers leadership training. And he was sitting there telling me that he'd had breakfast that morning with our superintendent of schools. And he was talking about trying to get in and put his program with some of the school staff. So I said, how did it go? Oh, it's a long close cycle. I said, what does that mean? Of course, I know exactly what it means. It means the old boy bought somebody a free lunch or a free breakfast. And he got the can kicked down the road a week or a month 
and he's going to do it again. So I said, well, how's it working out? Well, it's a long close cycle. I said, I heard that the first time. The question is, are you making money? Well, it's a long close cycle. Well, the answer obviously was, um, it's a long close cycle. So I don't know if he's making money or not. I, I somehow am not sure that he is, but he's spending a lot of money trying to get there. Uh, we don't believe in that at all. We, uh, we use uh, good marketing principles. We have a good website. We've used uh, some digital marketing uh, firms. Uh, we have uh, have being advertised on uh, legal headhunter uh, websites and referral sources. And people like the work that we do. And when they like the work, they refer clients. It's funny too, right? Because going off of your first story, people price shopping around. Usually if you're looking for something like this, you, you do not want to price shop. This is not something you want to price shop for and go for the cheapest person uh, because you're going to get the cheapest results, right? So as soon as he saw that value and what you guys were able to offer him, he didn't talk about price anymore, which he did not. He, he absolutely did not. Tomorrow I'm going to listen to um, eight presentations given by students over at uh, TCU for a marketing our Rotary Club. And when we had our committee meeting on Friday, the lady who normally is responsible for that phase uh, said she couldn't do it. She said, uh, Dr. Michaels can do it if he is qualified to do it if he, if he has availability. So I called my secretary and I said, put me in, schedule me for that. And I said, they're student presentations. And she said, you get what you pay for. I said, that's exactly right. And we're not paying anything for this. Uh, the kids get credit. And I'm sure we'll have a couple of good ones. I'm sure we'll have a couple that are knocked out of the park. I'm sure we'll have three or four that are, yeah, okay. And we're going to have a couple that are duds. But the truth of the matter is we only need just a couple of them. And even the one that's a dud, there may be a couple of key points in there. That's all we need. So it'll be fun. It'll be absolutely fun. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, that's a great way to look at it, right? You only need a few and then there you go. It's a good time. But within that too, something that you said I want to touch on is the, the marketing side of this, because I think a lot of people, you know, images a lot in any business, right? Just having people know who you are, getting your name out there, constantly being in front of them. That's a lot. So looking at your consulting business, I want to know what channels you guys are using, what channels you've seen uh, work the best and kind of what your current marketing strategy looks like. Well, we have a Facebook site. I don't know that uh, it has been outstanding. Uh, we have a Facebook site. We put out a newsletter every month. Um, I don't know that that has uh, been outstanding. Uh, however, uh, it is interesting that periodically, not every month, but two or three times a year, we'll get a couple phone calls that uh, will say, we saw the newsletter. What about X? Okay. We have a very good website. Uh, we spent a uh, substantial amount of resources uh, initially building the website. I think we're in version 4.0 of our website. Uh, we have used a professional marketing firm here uh, to enhance it. 
I don't think we need to make any enhancements right now, but we're always looking at that. Uh, we use a very good product. Uh, my business card is an engraved business card. Uh, I tell you that because it's 78 cents a card. And you'd say, holy God, you're paying 78 cents and to give it away? I said, I am. Why? A, I can afford it. B, it has a high wow factor. And in this business, the wow factor is important. And you see lawyers, accountants that have engraved uh, stationery. We have engraved stationery, engraved cards. And yeah, it's expensive. But what it shows right up front is these guys are first class. They know what they're doing and they do a great job. We've done a lot of work on executive development, work with folks uh, in college, just coming out of college, uh, folks that are executives um, planning career changes. And you can look at our Google reviews on our website and they're all 5.0 reviews. And the reason they are is just what I said a minute ago. We have professionals that are dedicated to working with the client to achieve the goal that he or she wishes to achieve. Something with that too, right? The engraved cards. It absolutely does what you say it does, but it also shows that you guys have that attention to detail, which in your business, very, very, very important, right? Having that attention to detail, paying attention to the small things, very important. Now, along with other businesses too, that wow factor is something that a lot of the times, if you're selling mostly online, it's going to be on your website. Uh, it's going to be on your Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, whatever accounts you're primarily using because you're not handing somebody a business card. But having that wow factor showing that you have that attention to detail within the content that you put out, it's the same principle. And now within that, what else that you said I, I also liked was that you guys are constantly looking to revise, right? You're in version 4.0 of your website and you're still open to hearing new ideas. I know so many people who get a brand new website, done. Now, the issue with that is down the road, two, three years, it's already outdated. It's already outdated. The internet moves really quick. So constantly kind of keeping your eyes open and realizing like, hey, I need to stay fresh or I'm going to fall behind and somebody else is going to take over is super, super important. Well, you're absolutely right. And we track when we get a phone call, how did you find us? We found you on the web. Uh, you have a pretty fancy website. Well, we, we do have a nice website. Uh, we, we have a great website. Uh, and uh, we spent lots of money to make it great. And we spend lots of money to keep it great. Uh, but that's just the first step. Uh, the next step is you mentioned attention to detail. As I said in the beginning of our conversation, I was a senior officer for 15 to 30 years. The military is real big on attention to detail. And... I am real big, as are our regional representatives in Atlanta and Salt Lake City, on attention to detail. I'm actually a big picture type of guy, but if you force me to get to the grain of sand, I'm going to be at grain of sand level detail, and I'm going to want to know about every grain of sand. Uh, some of my rotary colleagues think that you know everything is a grain of sand. But I just like to know, I just continue to dig all the time on what is this, 
Why is it? How did we get here? Why is it important? And in the consulting business, uh, you mentioned something earlier I want to go back to. You said you could start fresh out of the gate and not have to go to school. Well, formal school, probably true, but you probably need to go, you know, night school or some workshops uh, that SCORE puts on or the Business Assistance Center or somebody uh, being able to keep your books. You know, you pay $100 for sawdust and you sell it for $200. Uh, you made $100. Well, did you? Well, probably not. You know, you probably had to pay somebody to go get the sawdust. You pay him 20 bucks an hour and it took two hours. There's 40 bucks, $100 worth of profit. So now you're down to $60 and you got to pay taxes. So there's another 10 bucks. Uh, time you, you know, pare it down, it looks like you made a hundred dollars, but if you track it accurately and carefully, you probably made $8, which is fine. Eight bucks is perfect. Not a problem, but we just got to keep making lots of $8. And there are lots of companies that call here that, you know, want to go into business. I said, great. And my first step is to send them if they want to do government work to the Procurement Technical Assistance Center, the PTAC. Now, basically, they do a great job of getting you started. Uh, if you're in business and not, you know, selling privately, uh, then and not doing government work, then I'm going to ask to see the books. Well, we just use a cigar box or we use, you know, a muffin tin. Well, okay, all right, that's fine. Are you making money? Well, I don't know. We had $10 beginning of the year. We had 25 at the end of the year. We made 15. Huh? Huh? You, well, yeah, I guess you did. What about taxes? What about insurance? What about depreciation? What about this, this, this? Well, God, Joe, nobody ever asked about that. I don't think we have those issues. Well, maybe you don't have those issues, but the truth of the matter is you do. You just don't realize that you have. Totally. Totally. And something I want to touch on as well, because I know within this space and within really any space, finding the right marketing team is important because I think we both agree marketing is super important for business growth. But how did you guys go about finding your marketing firm? What did you look for? What did you want to see out of them? When we came here to Fort Worth, when we elected to put an office uh, in the Southwest, we looked very carefully at where we were going to go. Uh, because I went to AM, I did my postdoc at OU. I talked to our leadership team and said, Texas is probably as good a place to go as any. There was no argument there. Fort Worth was probably as good a place as any because it has a small town feel. Uh, Fort Worth is the 13th largest city in the country. Uh, the, the, this is a big operation. And having been a dean, having been a colonel, uh, this is a military town. We had an air base here for many, many years. Uh, it, uh, Carswell Air Force Base. Uh, it closed in the BRAC in the mid-90s. They put a joint reserve base out there. Uh, it's going to get F-35s. So there were lots of military connections here, though that was not a primary factor. 
So when you ask how we found our marketing team, I was here about a week, stayed downtown at the uh, Ashton Hotel, which is a four-star boutique hotel downtown. And after we got settled, I took the book of lists from the Fort Worth Business Press. And I started in the upper left-hand corner when it said marketing and PR firms. And I dialed the first five firms and I got an answering machine each time. I said, that dog won't hunt. We're going to try something else. So I went to the lower right-hand corner and I worked up about four or five. And about the fifth time, I got a live, warm, caring, loving human being. PHPR, Priscilla speaking. I said, Priscilla, this is Dr. Michaels. Uh, we are new here. We need some PR help. Just a minute. Uh, Mrs. Hendricks will take the call. Thought, oh my God, Mrs. Hendricks will take the call. This is Paige Hendricks. I said, Paige Joe Michaels. I haven't got time to talk. We're on deadline. We've got so much to do. We've got to get this out. It's going to be tonight. She went on like that for 45 minutes. I said, hot damn. I know where we're going. We're going to PHPR. If she's all fired up and can talk for 45 minutes on that, we'll get a hell of a deal. And for the last 10 years, we've used PHPR. That is now, awesome. That uh, we've used PHPR. Uh, Paige has sent us to other people for uh, different elements, uh, stuff that uh, her firm doesn't do. And she is winding down. Uh, she's been in business almost 50 years. Wow. Uh, has a very, very robust book of business, but uh, is winding down. So uh, for some things, uh, she sends us someplace else. And we use them. So that's how we do it. Right on. Right on. So really having that personable touch, not getting the stone cold answer machine helped out a ton. And really the last thing that I'll, I'll, I'll talk about here, because I see we're running up on time, is I want to talk a little bit about mentorship. Uh, I know that, you know, you said earlier something about mentorship. And I think in in schools, it's something that's never really talked about or, or taught really, you know, but you look into the successful CEO, successful entrepreneur world, you almost never hear them stop talking about mentorship. So how, how would you guys go about mentorship? How do you find one? What do you look for in one? Like, tell me a little bit about what your guys view on that is. Well, we provide mentorship to a wide variety of people. Uh, a lot of students, uh, by virtue of the fact of my connections of having been uh, a dean, a professor, uh, there are lots of kids that are looking for help and we're willing to help them. There are some kids that are not very appreciative and uh, well, we cut them loose, but uh, most folks were willing to help. Some businesses uh, are looking for mentorship and we'll do some of that, uh, but it doesn't get very far where we need to charge. And some people get real nervous about the fact that, you know, you're charging us. Well, we're in this business to make money too. Uh, we'll provide some free ideas, but it doesn't take very long before we're past the free ideas and into real ideas that are going to make you money. So we need to make money as well, but we've helped a tremendous number of businesses are very proud of it. 
and never turn an opportunity down, never turn the ability down to help somebody do better. There is a book out called The Go-Giver. I don't know if you've read that book. Uh, you probably have. Uh, the premise there is the more you give, the more you get. And uh, that is the philosophy that imbues and underpins our uh, philosophy here at Salmon Bruce Consulting. So we're certainly not afraid to help somebody. We're certainly not afraid to provide what I would consider a fair amount of pro bono advice, uh, but we're certainly not afraid to be able to say, all right, we're past the pro bono part, and now we're gonna have to turn the meter on. Uh, some folks has no problem with that. Some folks, oh, oh, stop, we can't do that. Well, okay, that's fine. You're going to flounder on your own because you're not far enough in to know how to make a, a good decision. And from experience, guys, if you're ever in the market for someone to mentor you, I can say firsthand that investing in mentorship has been some of the best investments we've made in business. Uh, there is so much growth and more importantly, so many mistakes that you can avoid by uh, learning from somebody who's, you know, walk the walk and fight the fight. They can actually tell you what to do and what not to do or address issues that are going to be massive before they ever affect you. So seriously, if you're, you know, looking for a mentor, don't shy away from, from paying for one because then, you guys both have some skin in the game and, you know, you want to make it work a little bit more as well. But Dr. Joe Michaels, amazing time speaking with you today, brother. Where can we find you guys at? Where can we learn more about you? Uh, our website is probably uh, the first place. Uh, SolomonBruce.com uh, is our website. Uh, there is a uh, connection link there. There's a phone number there. There's an address there. Uh, there's an email address there. Uh, anybody who wishes to uh, get a hold of us uh, can use a wide variety of connection points uh, to get a hold of us. And we'd be more than happy to help whoever uh, is looking for assistance. Rock and roll, rock and roll. Well, Dr. Joe, appreciate your time today. I know we got a lot of value out of this for our listeners. Any last words you want to leave us with? Uh, Grant, it's been a fun time the hour that we've been together. Uh, hope and pray that uh, we can help somebody out. Absolutely. All right, guys, take care and we will talk to you soon.